0: volume one chapter two of bungay castle by elizabeth bonhote this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by patty cunningham in the middle of a cold and inclement winter's night when the wind blew with uncontrollable force and the snow rain and hail beat with fury against the window every instant breaking some of the few panes which admitted a scanty light into the interior apartments and threatened to demolish those of the state-rooms while nature appeared to shudder at this unusual warring of the elements the sentinels on guard were alarmed by a loud rapping at the western gate and the rumbling of a carriage with the clattering of horses hoofs was distinctly heard for some moments the people stood irresolute at length one of the soldiers roughly inquired who it was wanted admittance at so unseasonable an hour when only treason or treachery could be suspected a voice replied we are no traitors we come with no hostile intentions but have brought dispatches of the utmost importance to the governor and must beg to be immediately admitted as we are in danger of perishing from fatigue and the severity of the weather this answer caused a general bustle the governor was summoned and the troops lodged within the interior parts of the castle ordered to arms before the gate was thrown open nor were the strangers permitted to enter till their number was ascertained and the soldiers prepared to oppose them should they have any bad designs to accomplish by this strange and suspicious visit but the alarm soon subsided and the soldiers almost tempted to laugh at their own fears when they saw a carriage draw up to the gate guarded by about twenty men out of which they took a person who appeared quite passive and was so muffled up that in the hurry which was made use of to convey him into the governor's apartment it was impossible to discover either his age or person the governor after reading the dispatches withdrew with the prisoner and two of the people who appeared to have the command and direction of this mysterious expedition refreshments were ordered for the travellers and beds made up for them in the barracks but the governor had a long conference with the gentlemen before they separated in the middle of the following night they departed from the castle with as much secrecy and as little ceremony as they had entered it no one appearing desirous to develop the cause which brought them or daring to ask any questions of the governor in whose power alone it rested to satisfy their inquiries as at this time civil commotions and private feuds between the contending nobles were continually arising to disturb the peace of society and involve the nation in accumulating distresses this strange visit was not only silently observed but in a few weeks scarcely recollected even by those who had witnessed it and the guards with only silent shrugs and significant looks thought it fastest wisest and best to perform with exact attention the discharge of the respective duties at this period of our tale the joyous festival of christmas was approaching a festival which our old-fashioned forefathers welcomed with every mark of grateful and benevolent hospitality and its arrival was beheld with as much complacent and cordial hilarity by the rich and great as it was with delight and impatience by the poor and needy while the holly and mistletoe decorated the kitchens and the innocent joke went round as the blushing maidens received the compliments and good wishes of the season the loaded tables served still more to exhilarate their spirits and even the stranger and the beggar were invited to taste the good things they enjoyed the youthful inhabitants of the castle began to reckon with eager and high-raised expectation the days the hours and even the minutes which must pass away before the lovely madeline who had obtained permission of the abbess to spend the christmas holidays at the castle could join their party various plans of pleasure were formed which they hoped would be productive of such amusements as would amply gratify their own wishes and those of their expected visitors for agnes de clifford who was a boarder in the nunnery was to accompany Madeline, by whom and rosalind she was much beloved she was a lively interesting girl about miss de morney's age and next Madeline held the highest place in her regard in reality the young people at the castle were as much confined as those in the nunnery from any intercourse with the world sir philip de morney having a decided aversion to the introducing young people early into life but by the urgent entreaties of his lady he was now prevailed upon to relax from the strictness he had observed respecting his elder children four of whom felt a wish for a more enlarged society and as their father had no design of placing any of them in a religious retirement it began to be time for them to know something of that world in which in all probability they must take an active part the holidays were spent in the utmost harmony the festivity which reigned in every part of the castle seemed to have banished sorrow from its walls the surgeon captain and lieutenants were all of their parties and the evenings generally concluded with a dance their dependents were sometimes permitted to join the set and the good priest father anselm who attended the castle would gladly have been a partaker in their innocent amusements had not the rigid rules of his sacred order forbidden such relaxations a few days before the young ladies were to return to the nunnery madeline was taken ill and her disorder increased so rapidly it was not only thought dangerous but found impracticable to remove her with safety for some weeks her life was despaired of and when immediate danger was over she was left in so weak and languid a state that air and exercise were pronounced absolutely necessary to effect a perfect recovery this sentence was heard with secret delight by the suffering madeline as she was certain it would procure leave for her longer continuance at the castle and the permission when obtained had more efficacy in restoring her than all the medicines she had taken during her illness edwin and roseline much as they had suffered from the alarming indisposition of their loved companion rejoiced that it had been productive of an indulgence they had almost despaired of gaining as the progress of her recovery was slow and precarious many symptoms of a decline being visible every one was eager and anxious to amuse the fair invalid and none appeared more earnest in their endeavours than hubert de willows captain of the guard a young man whose wit vivacity and unceasing good-humour had so strongly recommended him to the favour and protection of the governor as had obtained him constant invitation to his table with a lively imagination he had a turn for satire so pointed that while it rendered him a most entertaining companion kept many of his enemies in awe and he had the merit of never showing his talents at the expense of a friend nor any worthy character but he considered vice and folly as fair game against which he levelled his attacks arthur de clavering the acting surgeon was allowed both judgment and humanity the practice of physic and surgery was then but obscurely known compared with the more enlightened practitioners of these days de clavering however patched up many a broken constitution people lived as long and had fewer diseases than has been the lot of succeeding generations but whether this is owing to chance or folly i leave wiser heads to determine arthur de clavering was rather an extraordinary character his person was neither tall nor short of a thin habit Had a countenance so pleasing, and eyes so penetrating, it was impossible not to be struck with him as something beyond the common race of mortals. He had been abroad, had read much, was acquainted with both men and manners, had a plain and rather awkward address, was singular in his expressions, and formed his opinions with a justness and rapidity that astonished those with whom he associated, told a number of good anecdotes with a delicacy and humour peculiar to himself, public places and general society he avoided so cautiously that he was considered as a misanthrope by those who did not know him intimately lieutenant de huntingfield was a humorous bachelor of forty he professed himself an admirer of the ladies and pretended to lament that the state of his finances would not permit him to take a wife to his bosom and increase the ancient family of the de Huntingfields, which he apprehended if fortune proved averse to his accomplishing would become extinct among the rest of the officers was a cambrian youth who was a general favourite in the castle hugh camelford was gay high-spirited thoughtless and extravagant but withal so generous and good-humored it was impossible not to be pleased even with his eccentricities he rode good horses gave good dinners and was always in good spirits de clavering and hugh camelford were the best friends in the world the doctor as he was generally called had once during some indisposition advised him to be bled but the fiery youth would neither follow his advice nor submit to his entreaties he was then threatened with death for his obstinacy in cotz cood time i am ready to die said the invalid but if ever i lose one drop of my welch blood put in the service of my country may my good name be plaistered with the titles of poltroon and coward he saved his welch blood and recovered and a clavering though at first somewhat displeased treated him as a friend and brother ever afterwards there was a still more singular character in the castle than any yet described alexander elwyn he was placed there as a school for improvement in tactics and all the relative duties of a soldier he had good connections and a genteel allowance but was a miser at twenty this sordid humor made him the butt of the garrison and de willows with the rest of the officers vowed to laugh him out of a habit as disgusting as it was unnatural and unnecessary in a few weeks madeline was so far recovered as to be removed into one of the state apartments for the benefit of air an adjoining room was likewise fitted up for roseline to sleep near her friend during her confinement they generally parted from their attendants as soon as the rest of the family retired being one night earnestly chatting over some occurrence that had afforded them pleasure they were alarmed by footsteps under their apartment and a low murmuring sound of voices indistinctly reached their ears madeline was a good deal frightened but roseline who had great presence of mind and more courage made or rather appeared to make very light of the matter telling her friend the rooms they occupied were she knew connected with some passages and offices belonging to the castle and she doubted not but the noise proceeded from the people on duty this in some degree abated the fears of madeline till after a profound silence of half an hour they heard a deep groan followed by the rattling of chains at the same instant one of the windows flew open with the greatest violence and as instantly closed again which was followed by the bell at the corner of the room ringing violently Madeline gave a faint scream roseline jumped out of bed and ran for some water supposing she would have a fainting fit but she gently put it aside and with wild affright inquired what was the matter and what could occasion the unaccountable noises they had heard the wind and the people in some of the lower apartments no doubt replied her friend therefore i beg you would not discompose yourself if you do you will compel me to disturb the family and that i am afraid would displease my father and in all probability edwin would ridicule our childish fears and the rest of the gentlemen would laugh at us this silenced madeline and roseline continued i am totally unacquainted with many parts of this castle i have two or three times wished to explore its secret passages look at the dungeons and visit all its subterranean contrivances but have been forbidden by my father edwin did once promise to show me how well we were secured from outward danger by the immense strength of the fortifications and equally secure of a retreat should the castle be attacked but he cautioned me not to give a hint of his design either to my father or mother not to drop a word of his intentions before my brothers or sisters eager as i was to have my curiosity satisfied your illness my dear girl and the pleasure we counted of partaking during our visit drove it from my mind but i will take the earliest opportunity of claiming my brother's promise agreed cried roseline you and i my dear Madeline, have yet seen too little of life to be weary of it and i trust our hearts are both too guiltless to have any fears of those supernatural appearances of which superstition and ignorance give such improbable accounts yet i have heard strange tales of this castle being haunted even in the retired recess to which my adverse fate had in all probability doomed me to spend my hapless days and you are too much inclined to believe them interrupted her friend but my dear madeline be assured of this if we had nothing more to fear from the living than we have to apprehend from the dead we should be perfectly secure and our lives would pass away in a more serene and placid manner than the turbulent wills of our fellow-mortals will allow hark i am sure i hear the soft and distant sound of a lute i never yet knew a ghost that had a taste for mortal harmony i certainly hear music sighed madeline from what place can it proceed surely it must be the amusement no doubt of some one either on the ramparts or in the cells for you have fluttered my spirits so much i cannot determine from what part of the castle the sound can reach us let us however rest satisfied that no ghosts would trouble themselves to play a midnight serenade in order to terrify those who could never have injured them let us wait till you are quite recovered before we mention a word of the occurrences of this night for were my father to hear of our alarm we should be instantly removed into other apartments and should not then be able to accomplish our purpose of exploring the intricate recesses of this castle good-night madeline i hope the musician will not cease his harmony till he has lulled us to repose she then jumped into her own bed but her spirits were not altogether in that composed and courageous state she wished her friend to imagine she had heard strange stories of lights being seen of ghosts gliding along the ramparts of noises being heard but as she had not been told of a ghostly musician she was inclined to hope it would by some means or other be explained to her satisfaction till the rising sun however peeped over the hills which bounded the view from her windows she could not rest she then sunk into repose and slept so soundly that it was with difficulty her sister edeliza could convince her that the family waited breakfast till she should be in humour to join them madeline took hers in bed roseline hurried on her clothes and lady de morney tenderly inquired if indisposition had prevented her rising at her usual hour complaining of not having slept till late satisfied all parties and after a gentle reproof from sir philip and a joke from edwin for hugging her pillow so long the subject was dropped the next day was fixed for madeline to join the family at dinner for the first time since her long and alarming illness de clavering de willows and hugh camelford were invited to be of the party on this joyous occasion and it was with the utmost difficulty that edwin de morney could conceal the rapture he felt in his bosom at the thought of seeing the fair nun once more among them he had ventured with the consent of roseline to make her several stolen visits and in those moments of rapturous delight had discovered that madeleine de glanville reigned sole mistress of his heart too young for the practice of deceit too sanguine and inexperienced to think of the consequence of loving one devoted to the service of her god he flattered himself the partial indulgence of his mother would enable him to conquer any difficulties thrown in his way whether by his father or the designs madeline's parents had formed for her future destination he likewise cherished the sweet hope that madeline would not be averse to accept him as a lover his own heart had taught him to read the language of the eyes and in hers he saw or thought he saw joy sparkle at his approach and a soft sadness overcloud them at his departure the party met at dinner madeline entered the room leaning on the supporting arm of edwin and followed by roseline never in the full bloom of youth and health had the fair invalid looked so inexpressibly lovely a faint blush tinged her cheek upon receiving the congratulations of the company on her recovery the doctor humorously declared he was entitled to their thanks for the resurrection of their friend a resurrection methinks it is in reality said de willows for the mortal seems to have put on immortality and to have brought down from heaven the beauty and form of an angel heyday cried sir philip why good people you all seem to be taking vast pains to make my sweet nun believe a language you yourselves do not seem perfectly to understand that we are all glad to see her restored to us i hope and trust she believes but our congratulations must convince her notwithstanding your high-flown compliments that she is a mere mortal like the rest of her sex not exactly like some of them said the doctor for if she were de willows would not look at her as if he had a mind to seize the precious morsel from mother church this sally produced a hearty laugh from all but edwin and lady de morney who seeing the conversation was becoming distressing to her young friend summoned them to sit down to dinner in cot's name cried camelford let us obey orders for i feel myself all mortal at the sight of sir who has as good and entertaining a night as any on this side the welch mountains excellent faith exclaimed de clavering and you look at him with as much pleasure as a goat would at a field of young grass or as edwin at his sister roseline edwin at this moment was gazing at madeline with an earnestness that struck the doctor and he took this method of withdrawing his attention from an object which he considered might prove dangerous to the peace of his young friend to whom he was most sincerely and affectionately attached the day was spent with all that serene harmony which attends the society of friends madeline's return to the social party was like that of one having been so long absent that little hope was entertained of ever meeting again she retired to her room at an early hour accompanied by roseline and the progress of her recovery though slow was so visible as in a few days to remove all anxious fears from every heart but that of the impassioned edwin that no further danger was to be apprehended from the effects of the fever for more than a week the young ladies heard nothing to disturb them They were lodged at a great distance from the rest of the family, and Roseline having informed her brother of Madeline's fears, he had requested his mother to let him sleep in that wing of the castle, lest Madeline should be taken ill in the night, and his sister under the necessity of leaving her to call assistance. His request was granted. At the same time, he received his mother's commendations and thanks for this prudent precaution. End of chapter two. Recording by Patty Cunningham.